Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Pharmacy Hot Topics, where we sit down with our experts and discuss what is currently top of mind in the world of pharmacy. My name is Gina Galanuluchin. I'm the director of the section of Community Pharmacy Practitioners and section of Pharmacy Educators. And along with my colleague, Dr. Bailey Larson, Strategic Initiatives Associate, will host today's podcast. Today's episode will focus on monkeypox outbreak and the ongoing efforts by the healthcare community to combat it. With us, we have Dr. Melody Burke, ASHP's Editorial Director for Consumer Information, and Dr. Alex Melvin, infectious diseases pharmacist at UC Health Memorial Hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So welcome everyone and thanks for joining us today. Thanks Gina and welcome Melody and Alex. It has been quite the summer with COVID-19 and the Omicron variant, some workplaces returning to hybrid or in-office schedule and people around the world adjusting to this new normal after COVID. Of course, in the midst of all this, were the rising cases of monkeypox. The first case of monkeypox was confirmed in the United States on May 18th and in August at the peak of CDC case reports. The HHS under the Biden administration declared the monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency. For a number of months now, we are seeing cases of monkeypox fluctuate around the United States and the globe. On a high level, let's start with Melody. Let's chat what we know about monkeypox and what's the current state in the United States. Sure. Thanks, Bailey and Gina, for having me. Monkeypox is a viral disease. It actually comes from a class of viruses called orthopox, which is also includes smallpox, which is something we remember from many years ago here in the United States. But in 1980, smallpox was actually declared eradicated worldwide. In fact, smallpox actually resembles monkeypox a lot, or I should say monkeypox resembles smallpox a lot in terms of its clinical syndrome. But the difference here is monkeypox is less severe, usually, and a far lower mortality rate. Globally, the case fatality rate of monkeypox is between three to 6%. And up until recently, we had no fatality cases in the United States. Actually, about a week ago, we had our first fatality reported. Monkeypox is spread by coming into contact with the sores or respiratory secretions of an infected individual or coming into contact with items used by the infected individual, such as clothing, bedding, and bandages. Thank you, Melody. This is really good information. I think as everyone hears the word virus, especially coming out of the COVID pandemic, starts thinking back to flashbacks two years ago. So can we chat a little bit about the difference between the COVID-19 outbreak and what we've been seeing over the past two years and now what we're seeing with monkeypox? Sure. Well, first, I want to talk a little bit about going back to the last question and where monkeypox has come up here in the United States. We had previously not seen monkeypox here. Largely, we'd seen it in Africa or in countries where individuals had traveled to Africa or imported animals from Africa. But as you'd mentioned previously, late spring, early summer, we started seeing cases here that peaked in mid-August. We're now at the end of September and starting to see that decline a little bit. Although less contagious than coronavirus, the incubation period and time of infectivity for monkeypox can actually be a lot longer, which is why we've gotten to the point we are. It can take five to 21 days after an individual is exposed to monkeypox before they start having symptoms. And so the initial symptoms can actually look very much like coronavirus or flu and flu 
influenza virus, so a lot of viral syndromes, it can be a fever, headache, fatigue, chill, and muscle aches. And then after a few days, you might start to have the rash that is thought of to be associated with monkeypox. And then the total illness can last two to four weeks. So as you can see, people can be infected and not even really realize they are and go ahead and be passing it to others. And so that's why we're seeing the transmission. But overall, unlike with coronavirus, the transmission is a little bit harder just because you do need to basically be in contact with the individual versus in the surrounding area. But I'm going to pass it to Alex and he can elaborate a little bit more on that. Thanks, Melody. As Melody was kind of talking about, cases in the United States and globally are currently on the decline as of the middle of September. In the United States, our cases peaked early to mid-August and have been on the decline since. Locally, though, cases can be on the rise because the big driver for those decreasing national case counts is coming out of a few of the larger states that have big cities and had higher disease burdens early on. One way that I hope that monkeypox will be different than COVID-19 is that the outbreak will end without it becoming an endemic disease to this country. Time will tell if that's going to be true or not. Despite the current PPE recommendations from the CDC being the same for both infections with COVID-19, we are primarily concerned with the respiratory routes of transmission, whereas monkeypox that seems to be much less likely, though possible, and direct contact with those skin lesions or contaminated surfaces tend to be the major drivers. It is much less common for patients to be hospitalized with monkeypox than it is for COVID-19, even now with the Omicron variants that cause that less. While we could spend a lot more time discussing which of these diseases is the apple and which is the orange, the last major difference I would like to highlight is the populations we've seen with infection. The median age for monkeypox is 35 years, which is younger than COVID-19. COVID-19, as we previously discussed, is also much more transmissible and acts as a more indiscriminate infection. Many of you have probably already heard from the news the cases of monkeypox are predominantly among men who have sex with men. While both diseases have or have had stigma associated with them, only monkeypox so far that I've heard has had so many disappointing throwbacks to the early days of HIV. Clinicians need to remain vigilant for monkeypox regardless of sexual preference or orientation and outside of the context of just sexually transmitted infections. More recently, there's been some cases noted in pediatrics, possibly from contaminated surfaces in the household and also more heterosexual infections as well. Thanks, Alex and Melody. So it sounds like this is a little bit less burdensome on the healthcare system, but you both highlighted challenges that were made, including testing, the stigma, and access to care. The good news is that there are vaccines and treatments available for those diagnosed with or at high risk for monkeypox. Can we explore the options available for treatment and prevention in children and adults to date? Sure. So yes, there is a vaccine available. It's actually been available in the U.S. since 2019. It is actually effective at preventing both smallpox and monkeypox, and it's called Genios. Prior to our current outbreak, it was actually approved to be administered subcutaneously as two shots given about four weeks prior to individuals 18 years or older who were at risk of exposure to either of these viruses, which were largely people who were working in labs with the virus, either through research or through diagnosing. However, with our current outbreak, the definition of high risk has expanded a bit so that it is more available for prevention efforts. And due to concerns about supply, because it wasn't being produced at mass quantities, the FDA has issued a emergency use authorization. So similar to what we saw initially with the COVID vaccines, which allows Genios to be given intradermally. That allows it to be given at a smaller dose than what is needed with a subcutaneous and allows us to stretch our current supply so that we can vaccinate more people. 
and still given us two shots four weeks apart. So that part has not changed. The emergency use authorization or EUA also authorizes the use for individuals under 18 that are thought to be at high risk for monkeypox, but it is still given subcutaneously, still at two doses four weeks apart for that age group. Currently, and this again is evolving and changing rapidly as the outbreak it changes, but currently the CDC is recommending that individuals who have been identified as a close contact with an infected individual or had a sex partner within the previous two weeks who have been diagnosed with monkeypox get the vaccine. They also recommend any men who have sex with men or transgender or gender diverse individuals who have sex with men also get the vaccine if they have had any type of sexual exposure with multiple men or group sex or had sex at a commercial sex venue, such as a bathhouse, or sex at an event or venue in an area where monkeypox transmission is occurring. So any of those three things within the past two weeks would also qualify them for getting the vaccine. The U.S. has been distributing Genios since the start of the outbreak from the national stockpile, and they actually ordered 2.5 million doses from the manufacturer back in July. They are allocating the supply to those areas with known monkeypox transmission. So as Alex alluded to in his last response, we are trying to get out there to bigger cities where we're seeing the transmission and kind of stopping it from growing from there. And that's really helping our efforts or we expect it to. Where to go for vaccine administration depends on your specific communities. So if you think you have a need for the vaccine or you think you qualify, then you should go to your health department and they can direct you. Call or go there and they can direct you on where best to go because it really depends on your state on who is distributing it. I will mention there is a second vaccine available called ACAM 2000 that has been on the market for a long time. And that was specifically approved for prevention of smallpox, but it is thought to be effective as well against monkeypox. So it's not being used right now as much as Genios because it is associated with more side effects and can't be used in individuals that are immunocompromised, which includes those infected with HIV, but it is available if we get to that point where we need additional supply. So moving from prevention to treatment, there is an antiviral medication available for treatment called Tecoviramat or TPOX that is approved for treatment of smallpox, but is off-label for monkeypox treatment. It's currently being used under an expanded access investigational new drug protocol, and it's being distributed also through the national stockpile. It is currently recommended by the CDC for use in individuals with severe disease, such as those who may have sepsis or encephalitis associated with their monkeypox infection, or those at high risk of severe disease, such as immunocompromised patients, any child under the age of eight, pregnant or breastfeeding individuals, or anybody who has secondary complications, such as a bacterial infection, or those with severe underlying skin conditions that could put them at higher risk for such things like that, including atopic dermatitis or burns or psoriasis. So again, if you think you qualify for treatment, you should talk to your doctor as it, again, is only available through an expanded access or the national stockpile. Thank you, Melody. That's definitely an extensive list and good news for us to be able to have therapies and prevention strategies to provide to the public. Alex, this next question is mostly for you in the front lines for our profession. But in the past couple of years, the pharmacy profession has established itself as a valuable member to combat this public health outbreak and infection prevention. Now we know that monkeypox is different for the various reasons you both have outlined throughout this podcast. But can you share with us maybe how pharmacists are contributing currently to the monkeypox outbreak? And do you foresee our role continuing to be or evolving to be in the coming months? So pharmacists definitely have a lot to offer for infectious disease outbreaks. It's going to vary from state to state what our role precisely is. 
We are one of the most accessible healthcare providers a lay person can ask questions of, and we can further help direct patients to resources or providers as needed, depending on the situation. Pharmacists can provide information and also fight misinformation. We're also integral to the distribution and at times administration of therapeutics and vaccines. For monkeypox, some of the states have pharmacists and pharmacies administering the Genios vaccine on behalf of public health already. We are also called on very often to facilitate the delivery of the Tecoviramat to patients. Unlike the COVID-19 therapeutics, which were granted emergency use authorization, Tecoviramat is still only available as an expanded access investigational new drug or EAIND application protocol, and helping navigate the required paperwork is also an important role for pharmacists. That was one of the first things that we did in our health system was help facilitate to make sure we were in compliance with that protocol, because the providers just say, we want the Tecoviramat, let's get it. And we have to be the ones, you know, sometimes handing them the consent forms and telling them all the other paperwork that needs to get filled out. So there's been a lot of interfacing between infectious diseases and the investigational drug service pharmacist in this situation. Thanks, Alex. Really notable additions from the pharmacy department. ASHP called on HHS Secretary Becerra to leverage the PREP Act to allow uniform nationwide access to the monkeypox immunizations, requested that pharmacists have the ability to order and administer the vaccine, as well as ensure adequate reimbursement from CMS to support these services when provided by a pharmacist. So do you expect that pharmacy will be called to take on a different role as the virus potentially spreads and the trends change? Yeah, so it's certainly possible. We're an excellent asset to the healthcare team. As you mentioned, the PrEP Act expansion, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw increasing numbers of monkeypox cases, then more pharmacies would get involved with vaccination and the distribution of therapeutics. Right now for our health system, we're helping facilitate the distribution of Tecoviramat as kind of an extension of public health by utilizing our mail order pharmacy and other select brick and mortar pharmacies within our system. But certainly we could expand that to make it more readily available if the need arose. We're also, like I mentioned before, helping to ensure providers get looped in with the research teams so all the necessary paperwork can be completed. Perfect. Thank you, Alex. As we're concluding the podcast, we have one last question for everyone here on the panel. So we know that this is an evolving situation. ASHP has been at the front lines trying to really bring information forward. And obviously our providers are really taking care of patients and working with providers to navigate the different changes. But what are some resources that current clinicians can utilize to stay on top of monkeypox news? Are there any resources that might be helpful to remain active or to determine how to assist patients through this evolving situation? Like with the COVID pandemic, the CDC has created a very good monkeypox resource center that is tracking data and trends, as well as being updated continuously with information about the vaccine and treatment options. But I also want to mention that ASHP has created a resource center on monkeypox, which includes links to AHFS monographs for providers and articles from safemedication.com that are more directed at patients and consumers that providers might find useful to point patients in the direction of who are concerned about monkeypox. Alex, anything to add from your end as far as resources and any last thoughts? Yeah, one of the ways that I keep kind of abreast of these changes is I stick to the CDC's website. And if you haven't already for this or other sorts of public health relevant infections, You can sign up for the Health Alert Network emails, and they're kind of like a listserv blast that the CDC sends out whenever there's major changes. So many of the changes involving monkeypox, when they updated on the CDC's website, got that email blast. So you can go to their website and sign up for those as well. That's a really good idea. Thanks for sharing that. 
we are so lucky that we got to have Melody and Alex on the podcast with Gina and I. ASHP will continue to follow this public health emergency, and we thank you to the members who have been in communication with us about the outbreak, including those who have taken the survey on ASHP Connect, which is still open, by the way. We'd love to hear about your role with monkeypox. Look for a late-breaking monkeypox session at our in-person mid-year clinical meeting in Las Vegas in December, moderated by our colleague, Mike Ganio. That's all the time we have for today. We want to thank Alex and Melody for joining us to discuss the monkeypox outbreak and the role of pharmacists. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's online resources. You can find member exclusive offerings such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and more. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast of Hot Topics in Pharmacy. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast for more great content. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.